live. Hello, California and beyond. I'm Lori Woodley, um, CEO and founder of All It Takes. I'm here with Annie Bowman. Did I say that right, Annie? Bowman. Bowman, yes. Annie Bowman. Should have checked on that first. Carol Green <laughs> and Mike Johnson. Uh, I'm here with them from the trenches of education, meeting you in the trenches of education. Um, on our very first of the year uh, monthly educator series webinar, bringing to you into your homes, your classrooms, your after school programs, um, voices that you can relate to. Brought to you by Cal Hope Schools Initiative and All It Takes. We are going to come to you every fourth Tuesday, every fourth Tuesday of the month for this school year, offering support free support and services for the mental health of every California educator and every person in the public school help education ecosystem. That means that we're here for parents, we're here for custodians, we're here for teachers, we're here for counselors, we're here for admin. We're here for the ecosystem who together and collectively we are serving the students of California bringing them the best opportunity for a solid year of education through really growth mindset and mental health that feels good and feels healthy for each person. I'd like to introduce you to our panelists today with me. Annie Bauman <laughs> is an eighth grade teacher up in, um, I guess, Northern California, but not way north, kind of central Northern California. Mike Johnson coming to us from Eastern LA area um, out in Corona, correct? Yep. Out in Corona. And Carol Green uh, joining us from Sacramento or wherever it is that you live, right? As the San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Um, as the president of the California State PTA. I'm going to let each of them tell you a little bit about themselves. But first, we want to let you know that we're here to talk about back to school. Back to school this year's different than any other year. And I think prior to the pandemic, we all thought the beginning of every school year was new and exciting. And now it's new and it's exciting. And it's also revisiting something that we are experience, experiencing that's new, right? Like different because our kids are in a different place. Our educators are in a different place. And Cal Hope Schools Initiative is bringing these free mental health resources because what we found and what you know in the trenches is that so many people have really been challenged with mental health issues, whether it's extreme or it's mild, either we ourselves or someone we care about and love has really been through something or continues to go through something so we want to be here to help make that journey easier and much more rewarding on the other side. So Annie, tell us a little bit about you and why you joined us today. All right. So this is my 18th year teaching. I've been primarily a middle school teacher for the last 18 years. Uh, last year was a challenging year. And so I'm here to kind of talk about what that experience looked like and uh, just really excited to be a part of this. Thank you for joining us, Annie. And oh, and this is your first day of school, right? This is our first day of school. So, so we are one of the districts that started a little bit later and we're ready to go. <laughs> Happy first day. Happy first day. So you really can talk about that. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Mike, how about you? Well, hi everyone. My name is Mike Johnson. Um, this is my third year as a counselor. So my first year um, as a counselor, it was like trial by fire. It was straight into the pandemic. Um, so all I've known in education has been the challenges um, like we face adapting to, uh, you know, the, the challenges that we that COVID-19 brought. Um, and this is my second this is my second week of school. And we actually had back to school night yesterday um and it really opened my eyes and uh showed me how much i was missing from having these relationships with our parents and our families um, and our guardians just coming out and getting to see 
that aspect of you know the school system that I was missing through the pandemic. Um, and I'm here today just to just share my experiences and you know I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you, Mike. Thank you for joining us. And Carol, the woman who serves millions of parents who are at <laughs> home with their kids every day. Um, happy to be here. I'm the president of the California State PTA, and it's um, you know the parents that are working with the schools and um, navigating the new new normal as we um, try to support our our children and our schools and our teachers and our counselors and need a lot of help and we all need to work together. So I'm happy to um, to be here. We have schools starting in California as early as uh, the middle of July and as late as after Labor Day. So um, back to school season is is long in California. Perfect, we're right there at the, you know, right in the middle with Annie starting today, right? So those of you who are already back to school, I like to think of this, every day is a new start. So if you hear something today and you're like, oh, I can't start that because I already started school three weeks ago, every day is a new day. We can do something, implement something, have a different kind of smile, a different kind of warmth. We can start a new process, a new procedure anytime we choose. So tomorrow's a new day. And I hope today that you'll have something to take with you. Um, I, I want to share you know, an insight that I've had. You know, I was 30 years in education. Um, 25 years as a school counselor across the, in California, several different districts. And I know that I that so many people during virtual teaching were like, this is the hardest thing. We don't know how to do this. We've never done this before. There was like nobody who didn't agree that it was hard and we've never done it before. And there was no fire drill for it, right? So we didn't even practice it. It was brand new. And educators and kids and parents rallied. It wasn't perfect and it was messy. And it still, kids knew that somebody had their back, right? So even if they didn't like show up on camera, they never took their pajamas off. If they knew somebody had their back, we got through that. We go into last year and so many people I was talking to were like, ah, we're going back to normal. Well, what's normal anyways, right? Every person in their own house and their own skin has their own unique circumstance that is called their normal. So the, the concept of going back to normal that we seem to have in the system, ecosystem always sort of intrigued me because what was normal before, if we're really looking at individual kids, then there isn't a normal because every child has a different normal based on where they're coming from. And every teacher, every administrator, every counselor has a different normal. And so when we got back last year, and Annie, you and I talked about this, so maybe I'll ask you to talk about this first. It wasn't what we thought, and it was a different kind of year. Will you talk about what your year was like last year and then what you learned from it that you started today as a first day of school differently because of what you learned last year? So last year, it was interesting. Um, my first year of teaching, I felt like it was the hardest year ever. And then after that, it was going to be smooth sailing. And each year had its own little challenges, getting to know new personalities, working with different groups of kids. But some things were the same. And I think going into the remote learning year, the expectation was that it was going to be weird. And the expectation was it was going to be challenging. And I remember thinking, this is the hardest year of my teaching career. Scrap the first year. The first year was a cakewalk compared to this. Um, and the isolation of last year and not having the same, or not last year, but the remote year, the isolation of being kind of at home and not being in the classroom. Alameda County was one of the counties that was maybe remote for the longest. We had really strict COVID guidelines because of the numbers in our population. And so there was a lot of isolation there and moving forward into last year, I think that the expectation was things are going to be easier because I'm in my classroom. It's going to magically fix everything. But that wasn't the reality of it. So it was almost more disheartening because of that expectation that things were going to be easier and then the reality of them not being easier definitely threw a curveball to a lot of us. There was a different type of isolation. We were back on campus. 
that kids were still wearing masks and we couldn't see those facial expressions. We didn't meet as a full staff all the time because if one of us went down, the rest of us went down and we wanted to make sure that teachers could be in the classroom. So the sense of community wasn't necessarily there and that definitely made for a more challenging year for, for me as a teacher. And so what, what are you bringing into learning from that? What are you or your school? What are like one or two things that you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to help us. This already feels uplifting. So our school does a great job of just really loving our kids and knowing who our students are. Um, my administration here is phenomenal. So I think that the culture building and the togetherness is going to be a main focus. Really have, having the kids know what our core values are, teaching that explicitly, and building the community has always been important. And this year we're starting that off with more events to bring the kids together, to bring the staff together, and to have an overall positive message. And it started at the district level. So last year for our, our district, we have a kickoff at the beginning of the year. Everything was virtual. People were in classrooms, people were on campus. This year they brought all of the teachers together for a really great message. The message coming from uh, Livermore Unified is to keep it simple. Keep things simple, to move forward, and to have fun with the kids. So I think that having that as the message coming from our district office and trickling down to each campus, it's really going to help to have the kids feel that they're safe and they're comfortable in an academic environment where they're allowed to maybe not necessarily fail at something, but learn by making mistakes and not being judged for it. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, what a great place to be for the kids that you're serving. And it sounds like for you too. Um, Mike, do you want to share what, you know, your experience last year was and then what you're bringing into this year? Yeah. So our experience last year in our district and especially at our school site, we really wanted to welcome students back um, after the disruption of learning and, you know, coming back from distance, learning into in-person and all of the stressors and you know challenges that students were facing in that transition we really wanted to create a safe space last year and uh, just help students get back to feeling comfortable on campus um, but kind of like what annie said it's just like we face some unforeseen challenges due to like uh, quarantines and yeah trying to create some of these uh, community building like activities with um, with on Zoom or just in spaces where everyone, um, we weren't, you know, risking a school-wide quarantine or something like that, you know? So it was, it was hard to create that sense of community and welcome students back to this safe space when we were limited on the amount of like face-to-face -face interaction we could have. You know, the, having the mass, um, we had a little bit of pushback in our community about that, um, but also it did kind of interrupt those connections because we couldn't see facial expressions. And um, so there's those those types of barriers were really challenging when we were trying to welcome our students back. Um, and also the connection with our staff, like everyone was working very hard at my site to create that safe space. But with that and the daily challenges throughout the year, um, our messages, we weren't in unison with our messages and how we were teaching expectations for students and how we were supporting um, individual behavior and reteaching, you know, um, some of the skills that help students like be successful in schools, like, um, you know, communication when I'm frustrated, uh, just communication in general, honestly, you know, not using our hands, uh, boundaries, safe spaces and all that stuff. I feel like as a staff, because we didn't have the spaces to meet together and really talk through things and get on the same page, uh, we were all in our silos working very hard, trying to bring all these opportunities within the new guidelines of COVID-19 and all of that stuff, because we couldn't do 
like the field trips or bring presenters or create these like opportunities that were outside of the classroom that would like help students want to be at our school. So we would try all these different things, but kind of working independently. Um, and this year to meet that and create a little bit more of a more community within our staff, because when our staff feels supported, then everyone's in a better place to meet the needs of our individual students. So that was one thing that we tried this year really hard to do is to meet as a team, agree on expectations, agree on how we're going to support students and what our common language is and stuff like that so we can move forward together. And it will help create, our hope was that all of our students, regardless of who they talk to, where they're at, they they have an, an idea of how we're going to respond as a group. And when we can create that predictability, um, one, our staff feel supported because I can look to my left and my right and know that we're all speaking the same language. And then for our students, it was, um, you know, that predictability creates a sort of sense of safety. Like, even if I make a mistake, I can, you know, I know Mr. Jones is going to talk to me a certain way and help me, you know, learn from that mistake or, you know, lift me up instead of, you know, just a punishment or something like that. Opportunity to learn versus shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so I, we will come back and circle back around to this teacher, this concept of teacher support um, with a conversation in, in a bit, Mike. So thank you for bringing that forward because I think that we really need to spend some time in that arena, like supporting each other um, who are in service to kids so that we have the skills. Uh, so we'll come back to that. Carol, in, in your role, you know, serving literally millions of parents, because we have millions of kids in the state, um, you know, last year versus this year, like what did you experience in general from parents last year? And then what did you learn and how you might be guiding or coaching differently this year? Sure. I think that um, what both um, Annie and Mike said is that, you know, you, you thought it was the hardest when we were all virtual and at home. But I would say that at least now in hindsight, I didn't think this at the time, um, we knew what we were expecting. You know, we knew we were going to be virtual. So we knew that the kids were going to be learning virtually. We knew we were going to be supervising kids. We knew that the parent interaction was going to be virtual. So we adapted to that, you know, some better than others. Um, the challenge of last year and then this year is how much can we do in person and what is it going to look like? So as parents are trying to work with schools to have, as you know, Michael was saying, you know, field trips and, you know, people coming in to talk in the classrooms and all the fun, you know, class plays and talent shows and all that. How much can we do? How much can the parents be on campus? How much um, can they interact? And I think that's been the most challenge that we've had. But we know from from decades of research that when, you know, our families and when I say the word family, I'm not talking about always mom and dad. Uh, families come in all kinds of um sizes and shapes and stripes. So whatever your family is, um, that's what I'm talking about, whether it's whether it's through blood or, or just a, a relationship. But the loving adults and the kids, um, when they work with the schools, we know that that's the most successful. And I would say the big takeaways are relationships, building those real relationships, you know, the, the families with the teachers, with the counselors, with the principal, and then um, I think you mentioned not not comparing, but also not transferring your your own anxiety onto your child. Um, I will say that the kids are watching the parents. Um, and so try to be that loving, forgiving person. If you're saying something about a person that is wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or doing something that you think is wrong or right, and you don't know their whole circumstance, then your child's going to pick up on that. So if we're all as accepting as we can be, and if we're all as tolerant and patient as we can be, um, then then that helps us um, navigate that. And it teaches our kids some pretty valuable lessons. Even in middle school, they are watching you. Even when you think that they're not watching you, they're watching oh, you. 
Oh, I could, as a, a parent expert and a, a school counselor, I could not agree more that that we are more powerful in every way in what we do and how we demonstrate things and moods across our face way more than what comes out of our mouth. Um, they're watching, they're picking up. And also our kids today are just laser beams, especially when you hit that sixth grade and up, seventh, eighth, laser beams for hypocrisy. The minute we say you need to, but I don't, man, we have lost them. And we're gonna do a parent series also um, on this Cal Hope initiative uh, through all it takes this year. So we'll have some very specific things around parenting. Carol, you must come back. <laughs> that is definitely this, <laughs> the community that you serve. So, um, so thank you all for what your shares are. And I, I wanna move to the, the sense of emotion. Um, so when we walk into school this year, so Annie, you started today, Mike, you started a couple weeks ago, Parents are dropping their kids off at school for a whole new year. There's a lot more confidence, but not 100% understanding what's next and what's going to happen with the pandemic, the co you know, with COVID. Um, what are some of the emotions that you have experienced yourself? And how do you do that dance between I'm anxious and excited at the same time? Like, what do you like? How do you allow kids to be that and voice that so that they feel like whatever they're experiencing is okay in the setting that they're in? Anybody want to address that question? It's big. Yeah, I can Great, do that. Mike. Um, so I feel like uh, whenever I'm with a student, I feel like knowledge is power. So I really try to take them through like, what emotions are and that everyone experiences different intensities of those emotions and that really try to normalize what they're feeling and then help them put the pieces of the puzzle together of like, how did I get here? So we'll kind of, um, you know, I, I like using your notice. Uh, I use that today, actually. Notice, choose, act. Notice, notice, choose, act. Yeah. So we do a lot of like, um, like body scanning, like, like, let's notice, like, um, like what let's kind of identify what emotion you're feeling and then notice like how your body responds to this particular emotion and um if we're able to identify those things then especially for our negative emotions we can plan right and choose the best coping skill when we start to feel those symptoms like if i get anxious about you know walking into a new room and i know that my heart starts beating fast and i can start identifying and communicating some of these things that I'm feeling that are contributing to my negative emotion, um, then I can ask for support. But most importantly, I can, um, with the help of someone, if I don't have these skills already, like use appropriate coping skills to help manage those emotions and get through that moment. Um, so it's like, that's, that's kind of what I use today. Actually, um, I had a student who was a little anxious about it was her first day at school. Um, so starting in the middle of the school year, right, everyone's kind of comfortable and she was not. So we just kind of noticed and then we brainstormed some options and then acted. And that's the, the biggest thing, right? It's like we have to practice and, and creating that space and being patient and helping and like walking students through that process because it's not a natural process. We, we're not we don't. We're not born like understanding all these things so um being able to take the time and uh really help them help our students increase their self-awareness um, and then connect them with people and safe places on campus where they can practice you know either just noticing or you know increasing that self-awareness or start practicing those coping skills to add to their toolbox. Um, but having those safe places on campus to do so and those safe people on campus that they trust and that will take the time to help them through that process. Um, that's kind of where where I go to, to help students with all the ranges of emotions that they're, they're feeling, especially in a new school year. 
it's, you know, it's really awesome to be able to be in a position where you can allow students to have all the emotions and to be able to explore them. Um, Annie and Carol, just to expand on that, and thank you so much, Mike. One of the things that I hear from educators and parents is their own discomfort with the emotions that kids can present. So sometimes that discomfort that we experience has us wanting to invite them towards us and have them feel safe. But if they tell me something that makes me uncomfortable, then I don't know what to do with it. And if I don't know what to do with it, then I don't know how to support this student and I have to touch it. And so we get in our heads, right, about what I'm not capable of if they present a certain way. And I, I like to say that our educators' role isn't to be the healers, but it's to be the invitation for healing to happen simply because their space is safe. The atmosphere that they create is safe for kids to explore. Obviously not throw chairs across the room, right? There, there are boundaries and you know that's not what we're talking about. And there's experts able to help with those more extreme situations. But Annie, like how, how do you deal with your comfort level of maintaining a boundary as a teacher and also allowing a student to feel comfortable to express to you? That's a great question. Um, with this being the first day of school, in terms of my students and handling their emotions, um, I think that being honest and having conversations with them is key. So I'm as nervous on the first day of school as my students are, and I like to allow them to see that by just being honest and telling them. Um, I have back-to-school nightmares just like you do. They might be a little bit different because I'm having a back-to-school nightmare, like I don't have anything printed up. Yours might be about what you're wearing on the first day. So being honest and opening up that communication and letting them see that side, that nobody's perfect and everybody has something that they're dealing with so that they feel like they have a safe person to come speak to. Uh, on the other side, I have daughters as well. And so thinking about what I want for my kids in terms of the, how I want adults to treat them when they're on campus helps me to reflect on how I treat my students because they are somebody's child. They are somebody's baby. And keeping that in mind and giving them the structure that they need, giving them a safe place where they can come to talk to an adult, I think is huge. Even if I'm not their go-to adult on campus, I definitely want to have those conversations with my students so that they know that there's somebody here who's going to stop and listen to them. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And 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 you're not afraid. You might be nervous about what kind of emotions come at you, but you're not letting that stop you from allowing it to happen. And I think that's one of the modeling things that we want to be for our students, again, what we want from them, we really do need to offer them. So, you know, like there's a courage thing to say, all right, if you show up today angry, walking in my door, I'm willing to meet you, you know, and to, you know, let you, you know, share with me. We'll talk about and train how do we share angry feelings, but I'm not going to say you can't share them. And I'm not, you're right. So I really appreciate, Annie, that both your, in your classroom yourself and as the culture of your school, that allowing and inviting students to share what's happening with them is really great. And Carol, for parents, what, what are your thoughts or tips for parents to be able to navigate uh, their child's emotions without getting fully sucked into them? <laughs> um, I think it's always, it's always challenging. Um... And of course, we have our own emotions too. So um, you're you're trying to support your your child through their process, and then you you have your own. I think that where it relates to back to school, we really need to think about um, what Mike said about communication and about building those relationships. And I think sometimes if the only communication we have with the school, if it's the counselor, the teacher, the principal, is when something big happened, like someone was so upset that they did throw a chair or they did something mean to someone else. Um, but if we have that communication all the time and you're able to say, oh, Annie, you know, um, my daughter, my son didn't didn't get a lot of sleep last night because 
grandma was overlaid or or this situation is happening with our family where they're they're worried about you know somebody who's sick if you have those kinds of conversations and that helps the teacher and the counselor um, work with their student because they know a little bit I mean you know it's not every single day is a big you know four-hour um, counseling session. We don't have time for that. But if we keep those lines of communication open and we have good relationships, then that helps, I think, the counselors and the teachers and the parents all be working together. And um, for my children, I always, um, you know, we take a breath. Um, how are you feeling? And, you know, just because you don't want to hear how they're feeling um, or, or, you, or you might be afraid of something they're going to say, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So um, you have to be um, willing to meet them where they are and then keep those relationships and the communication open because then we can all work together and that, that helps to support the children that we care about. Yeah, I wanna circle back towards the end of this um, time together, Carol, with you, just if, for you to think about and be able to share with us like one top tip on how, from your perspective, schools can invite parents closer and how parents can take the step in. So I, I think that we all kind of in education agree that we need to be more collaborative parents and schools and uh, some schools struggle with that and some parents struggle to feel safe to walk in the door. So um, if you have a tip on that towards the end, I'd love to hear what that is. Um, so thank you all uh, for what you're sharing. It's just such a powerful thing to know one, we're not alone. And two, there are some answers and there's no perfect answer, but there's a way forward, right? And so that's what I'm hearing from all of you. Like the word relationship keeps coming up over and over again. And um, in our film, A Trusted Space, Redirecting Grief to Growth, it's all about relationships. And it is the number one thing. It's the relationships are the number one antidote to emotional stressors and trauma. Um, for the, from those things becoming something that affects a whole lifetime rather than an incident or a couple incidents and a couple of years. So um, I just appreciate so much that relationships are your focus. Um, now let's, let's shift gears a little bit to only the adults for a moment. We all know that our job, our client, I even like to say our, our students are our clients right there, we're supposed to make them happy. Now that doesn't mean give them everything. Bosses are supposed to make employees happy, right? To a point, right? We have, it's a mutual exchange, right? But they are our clients. They are, we are here to be in service to them, to their current, their now, and to their future. And every one of us in the education ecosystem has an impact on every student. If you're the janitor, the bus driver, the teacher, Michael was in a um, statewide PSA that you guys will probably start seeing in the next month or two across the state uh, last week when we shot it. And we interviewed and talked to bus drivers, custodians, teachers, counselors, so many people in the ecosystem who all said, yes, I want to be a part of this because I am a part of the ecosystem of making a safe place and a trusted space for students. So it was really heartwarming to see how many people wanted to be a part of that voice from every different facet facet in the, in the system. So in that, there's millions of students, millions of parents, but what about the millions of staff in the education system uh, in California? All the, the various roles that I just mentioned um, admin, superintendent down, boards of education down. Um, there is no up because I believe we're all in this together. So we have equal footing on, on what our importance in, is and the role of the kids uh, that we're serving. So what is your thought on, and we'll start with you here, Mike. Um, what is your thought on the importance of making sure that those in service to students are being cared for as much as we're asking them to care for our kids. It's a different kind of conversation that hasn't been a big focus prior to the pandemic. And I personally believe it needs to be a massive focus now um, because every human is experiencing something new coming out of the pandemic, every human. So if we talk just education, we don't ask a math teacher to teach calculus without first teaching math. 
but we are sometimes asking our teachers to be in service to the mental health of our students without necessarily focusing on theirs. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I, you know, it goes back to the age old example or, or yeah, well, when you're in the airplane, right? In if it's going down, you <laughs> got to put your mask on first before you can help someone else. And I think especially, you know, it stood out earlier, I forget who said it, but our students are always watching us, right? So if we're having a bad day and we don't have the space or the resources or the support to kind of deal with whatever's going on, we're going to bring that into our spaces. And it's, you know, our students are going to read it, they're going to feel it. Um, and that could be a, a negative for that environment, or it could be an opportunity to show, like, you know, our emotions stay with us as we grow up. And, you know, we learn how to handle them and we learn how to, um, like, get through them. And it's okay to have these feelings and these ups and downs. But I think, you know, it's important, probably the most important thing is to support our staff because, um, like, that creates that sense of stability and safety that allows them to create those relationships um, and have those tough conversations and be able to like have the space to check in with the student and really be curious about what's going on because when you know when i'm having a good day you know i'm i'm definitely way more open to sit and um, have a conversation if i have an endless to-do list you know, I think in education, there's always something that needs to be done and there's always a deadline around the corner. Um, and sometimes it's that's the added stress that takes away from those that that time we can spend with students because we're our minds not present our minds, you know, on some of these other things that our students and maybe our colleagues, they they don't see because they're underneath the surface. So if we have that support, um, it's just going to help facilitate the the culture on campus. Yeah, but I yeah I think we can't give from what we don't have, right? Uh, yeah. Carol, do you want to um, speak to this, and then we'll go to you, Annie. Well, I would just say that we have to give our staff and those that support our students as much support as we can um, because i mean i was i thought of the same example so mike stole all my ideas um uh, i was still i was thinking of the um you've got to support yourself you've got to take care of yourself in order to be able to serve anyone else and that is definitely true of our school staff especially under all the pressure that they're under um, these days from not just the pandemic, but from all the things that are going on in schools and, and teacher shortages and, and bus driver shortages and all of that. So making sure that they're supportive. And I would say to the parents out there, make sure that you're giving support and not just trying to catch teachers or someone doing something wrong. We want we want to be working together to support each other. And and, um, and our, our staff need mental health support as much, if not more than than others. Thank you, Carol. Annie, do you have anything you want to add? I, I do. So I feel like this is definitely one of the things that was a huge challenge as a result of the pandemic. So prior to teaching virtually, I feel like I had a little bit more of a balance with work-life stuff, even though my school was further away. I did change schools last year to be closer to home. So when we went remote, my work-life balance went out the window. It was all about what I was doing for my students, being online, converting lessons so that they could be presented in a digital platform. And as soon as I was done with that, it was checking on my kids. And there was very little downtime or time to focus on what I needed to do in terms of keeping myself energized, going to the gym, exercising, meeting up with friends, because everything was so different. So I think that coming back to this year and coming back last year, there's always a lot of talk of teachers who need to find self-care. 
self-care, take care of yourself first. And it's hard as a teacher and as a parent to find the time to do that. So we do a lot of things at the beginning of the year with setting goals and growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's important for me to share some of my goals with my classes as well. And one of them is getting unplugged a little bit earlier in the day. So if we unplug ourselves and I'm not responding to emails at nine o'clock at night because it comes on my phone, because I'm not looking at my phone, I wanna spend that time with my family. So trying to find ways and to model that for our, our kids is important. And it's such a challenge for so many educators to do, to find the time to do just even an hour at the gym or a walk or hanging out with a friend. Those things are important. And, and with our staff, I think it's also important to take the time to get together outside of school so that we have that downtime and we can talk to each other and build those relationships. So when we come to school, it's that community, it's that workspace where you enjoy being where you're at because you enjoy the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. and we're definitely making a point to do more of that on our campus this year because it's the community is important. Yeah. Uh, the, our community is where we get the support that we need to do anything, right? Like we're, we're really, uh, the lone wolf doesn't survive really well. Um, and, uh, you know, the pack needs the wolf and the wolf needs the pack. So uh, I think that uh, it's really great to look at self-care. And I, you know, I think Michael, you or Mike, you said it with the oxygen mask, you know, a trusted space, the film talks about that. Annie, you just gave some ideas. And, I, you know, I'd like to say that when my kids were young and I was in public schools, a counselor and doing all the things moms do and, and the, you know, there wasn't any time and I did lose track of that. And it wasn't really good for me or really my kids. And, you know, I look, I can look back because my kids, your Annie, your kids are young and Carol, your kids are grown. And um, Michael, I don't think you have kids yet. I think that's the way it goes. Um, and there's a lot of things that we can look at. And I, I wish that I had had somebody saying that five minutes is enough. Sometimes in busy people's lives, just taking five minutes consciously, purposely for us, one, it's the conscious effort to say I matter. And I think that that's important. And it too is to acknowledge that I'm a busy person and I chose to be a parent. I chose to be an educator. I chose these things. So I have a lot of responsibilities and that's okay. But I get to be a part of the responsibilities. Like I get to be a piece of the list of priorities and it's, it's urgent that we do that. So uh, if you're out there in our audience and you're like, I don't have time. Um, five minutes, just start there. Uh, think of things that, and if you're in any kind of chat platform, throw out a few things. What do you do if you only have five minutes? What do you do? You know, put it in a chat format if you're listening and, and let other people see what you do, because it might be an inspiration for what they do. And um, Annie, what you were saying is like, when you come together as community, as a staff, when you share great ideas, then you could do, you know, then we're better. And so when we bring people together in community building activities, whether it's our students or our staff, uh, we're always learning from something from our community. And so I think that's really great. I also like to um, think of staff meetings. Uh, I'm not sure if this is happening yet, but we're as, you know, administrations often asking teachers to do a lot of community building in their classrooms. And I like to encourage administrators to take five to 10 minutes every staff meeting. It's like you saying, Annie, I'm unplugging at like nine to be focused on my family. When really in your head, you're like, I don't have time to unplug at nine, but you're doing it. And a staff, you know, an admin is gonna run a staff meeting. I don't have time to do five or 10 minutes of team building because I've got all these things to do. And I encourage the opportunity to find and well, actually, we'll never find the time. I think of it, we have to make or take the time. We have to make it such a priority that we take the time in an hour, figure out the other things, and make sure we do some kind of community building each time we come together. So um, thank you all, every, you know, all of you for these great insights. Um, there's a concept that I have uh, people talk about often, and that's this thought about relationships 
over rules. Now, not in place of them, right? But that there's always some non-negotiables, which are safety. Like your kids come to your classes. Carol, your parents send kids to school. They want to know that they're safe. They want to know there's plans for when something gets unsafe. They want to know their kids are safe. Um, so there's some non-negotiables. Those are hard rules. I can't leave my classroom and disappear. I need to know where you are. I'm sending you home whole and complete and happy to your parents every day. That's my commitment, right? But what about the thought that relationships, you know, when I went to school and even still today, I hear educators going, I can't even smile for the first few weeks. Even today, in this year, I've heard that a couple times. It's got to be all structure because otherwise they take advantage. What are your thoughts about that? You know, do they take advantage um, when the rules are clear, but they're minimal and the relationships are built? So I'll, I'll jump in on that one. Um, I've heard in the past, and I don't actually live by the rule, mean until Halloween. And so that you get that structure in as a teacher, you're setting the standards, and then after that, you can loosen up a little bit. I, I don't think I really have a mean face. I mean, maybe I do. It depends. You can ask my, my children. But heard mean until Halloween, and I just I don't think that's true. In the past, there have been so many different programs that I've seen um, between Choose Love and Character Strong and a trusted space where it really is important to have a relationship with your students. And one of the things that stuck with me from Character Strong a couple of years ago was it's hard to learn from someone you don't like. It's hard to learn from someone who you don't think likes you. And it's hard to dislike somebody that you know. And so putting all of that together, having those relationships with the students is important. So if I have a child who's displaying a behavior that's not appropriate in the classroom, I'd rather just be able to have the relationship and talk to them about it and not send them out. What can they do to improve the behavior so that we can have a working environment so that the academics are there? So having those relationships are is key when it comes to, I don't even want to say discipline because you don't have to discipline a student if you can just have a conversation with them. I just had somebody reach out to me yesterday and say, or actually just this morning, a school counselor, and said, we're moving away from discipline, more into restorative. Mm -hmm. What are some ideas on how to use your notice choose act on that? So that just that was just a conversation today from a district a counselor in a school district local to me. And I really was heartened to hear that they, you know, moving the conversation away from discipline from yeah. a district level. Um, hoping it's a district, could have been just the school, but I think it's more of a district philosophy. Like how do we um, work in the restorative conversation while still holding kids accountable, but more about accountability actually helps us grow. Accountability is part of an SEL skill set, right? To be able to own what I create, even when it's an ouch and or when it's a celebration like yeah i did that this is what i'm going to do different next time and those conversations rather than kind of the finger pointing and shaming and when a reflection can be a part of the conversation i think that that's really powerful and really meaningful and i think that we can all probably think about a time in our past where maybe as a child if i did something and my parents yelled at me it might have just gone over my head to whereas if i got a i'm disappointed in you I'm not disappointed in you, but disappointed in what you've done, that always hits harder. And it's always something where it's like, oh, I, I'd rather you just yell at me because it doesn't hurt as much. And I don't really care if I change that behavior. But if it's that I'm disappointed in what you did, it makes you second guess it. And you're more likely to not repeat that behavior or that action. And so I think that that, that comes in with building those relationships because kids don't want to disappoint you. They, they're yeah. coming here and they're giving their best. They're doing what they need to do. And that's the last thing that they want to do. And so I think that recognizing that and having the conversation is more meaningful for them. And it creates a better learning environment in my classroom. Because when, they, when others see you treat one person who maybe has you know, that moment 
um, with kindness and respect and dignity and and assertive like let's solve this because we you know this isn't okay but yeah i love you and we're going to do it coming from a place of love and care and dignity um then everyone else actually trusts you too they understand that if they fall down they're not going to be shamed mm -hmm. and so the the trust is like they're like you said they're always watching mike do you have anything you want to add at this yeah you know i love the high expectations and high empathy because i think one without the other it you know it sends the wrong message right if if it's all empathy and no accountability or low expectations then you know we're letting like students or our clients get away with things that aren't going to help them be successful when they leave our school system like when they go into our community um but also if it's all discipline and no empathy it's you know Sometimes that breeds shame and resentment and we lose that connection with our students. And, you know, like Annie said, if if I don't like you, I'm not going to learn from you. So if we can, you know, maintain our high expectations and expect the best from our students, but also walk with them and meet them where they're at. That's where the empathy comes in. Like my expectations for you or for my school, like they're not changing. This is what they are. And if you're not meeting them, I'm going to help you learn, you know, or grow to to like meet this expectation. But we're going to be the, right there with you with support, conversation to make sure you understand um, like what's missing. And if and then also provide you with the tools to 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 get there um, or start practicing, uh, you know, just so we can learn and grow, um, I think another like just example from today we had a student who um wrote his he, he rode his bike on the campus um wasn't listening to like our head custodian and you know almost ran him over because he was late for school right so instead of just receiving discipline for that you know and i think this kind of speaks to supporting our staff as well um you know we let it kind of kind of go for a day we the student received his discipline and then like I touched base with them today, reviewed what happened. Like I understand you were late, but that's not an excuse to disrespect them, right? Or put someone in danger by almost running them over. You know, it's not an excuse to put someone else, um, yeah, in harm's way, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then like reviewing that situation and having students reflect because that self-reflection is where we find growth. And that self-reflection without judgment is makes it easier to kind of look in and identify those areas where maybe we could have made a better decision or maybe we could you know just learn from our mistakes you know and then having the opportunity to come back and repair a relationship that could have been broken for the rest of the school year you know it's only the second week of school but that's like hopefully a lasting lesson because he experienced it uh, where just because i make a mistake i don't have to like leave end the day and carry that shame or carry that disappointment in myself with me like i can i can work with that like I, you know with the support i can learn how to have those tough conversations where i know i messed up but i don't know how to say sorry or i don't know how to make it better um and i think you know with with discipline we miss only we miss an opportunity to really build those skills in our our students yeah uh, uh, that makes me remember many times as a counselor on site, um, Mike, was when you have a student who just gives the same teacher a hard time day after day after day, and you finally bring them all together. And a lot of times the kid doesn't want to, or the parent doesn't want you to do it with the kid, or the teacher doesn't want to. And you finally, as a counselor, get them all in the room together, the kid, the counselor, the teacher, you have a conversation. And it was one silly thing said on the second day of school that like literally just a conversation and an understanding and i'm like gosh i didn't even know i said that and i could see and hear how that hurt you and yet that you know like the student just felt dismissed from you know stock talk you know especially that middle school age and up um you know where you're at annie like that one conversation can really affect the long term so um I, I just really um, re I appreciate what you were saying. 
Um, I do want to come back to we're we're about six minutes off, and we will stop um, at that time at uh, four thirty. I want to come back to a question we got from a viewer, uh, someone named Daniel, uh, that was sent to me that asked about how to deal with boundaries with students. And I'm not sure the context of that. All we can do is make it up. But Carol, when you think about boundaries um, and around relationships, what, what are your thoughts there? And how would you coach a parent and or a teacher working with a parent's child and everybody's upset. It's so funny that you just said that because I just wrote down on a piece of paper in front of me, boundaries and relationships. Those were the two words I wrote down. Didn't write down the rest of what I was gonna um, complete thought on that sense. But I would say that boundaries for students or your kids at home are important so they know where the guardrails are. And I think that knowing where the boundaries are and they'll push the boundaries. They're gonna, that's their job is to push the boundaries so that they know exactly where they are. But I think um, both Annie and Mike said that when, when kids have the relationship with the teacher or with their parent, they know that the behavior might not be tolerated, but they're always going to be loved or at least respected and, and, um, and cared for. So it's not that if you push a boundary and, um, and there's pushback, your self-worth isn't in question. The relationship that you have with the teacher or the counselor or the parent's not in question. You know that that relationship is, is always solid, but these are the boundaries. So I'd say when parents are working with their students and the teachers to be clear where all those boundaries were so that when you're talking to your child, you're not saying, you know, Mr. Johnson was good, bad, or anything like that. It's, Mr. Johnson has the rules for the school and you're not allowed to ride into the custodian um, even if you're late. So let's not do that next time or how can we address this next time? So the parents have to work with the school, with the counselors and the teachers to make sure that their student understands the boundaries. And when they can best all work on that together, um, that's the best result. I would also say that if your child has a reason for not wanting that rule or they think it's really dumb, um, then you could express that to the teacher, but I wouldn't do it in front of them. So you could say, you know, my child doesn't like that rule of, you know, having to whatever it is because he or she feels that this is, um, you know, wrong or different. And then the teacher can reassess that and say, oh, yeah, maybe that's not really a boundary we need to have. But again, that's that relationship building between the parent and the teacher or the counselor and between the parent and the student and the student and the teacher and all that triangle that oh, goes along with that. Right, right. The three-leg stool can't do one without the other, right? Or can't do two without the third. Uh, Carol, I know we were going to circle back around that question. Thank you for what you just shared and uh, around how we can bring parents closer to schools and schools be more inviting or, or find ways. They might already think they're being inviting, but parents still aren't coming in or, you know, what is that dynamic? And we're, we're really out of time for this. So I'm wondering if we could have you back at one of our parent webinars where we Happy really to come back. <laughs> can have that conversation with parents, like how do you approach a school um, and, and what do we need to ask for from schools and how do we do that with appropriate boundaries so schools don't feel afraid of us, right? right. And, and that we feel safe to walk into a school. So it's a mutual dance. Uh, I, I want to just share with all of you, first off, thank you. Thank you for your professionalism. Thank you for your heart. And thank you for the deep care that you offer to the students of California um, through those you work with, regardless of whether it's an adult or a student directly, those you're supporting are affecting the well-being of our students. And for that, I'm deeply grateful. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us. And please check out calhopeschools.org to find three programs that are at no charge to you. Programs, one is a trusted space, redirecting grief to growth. That is all it takes program. That's a film and curriculum videos to support relationship building, support the mental health journey of both the educators and the adult education system so that we can do a better job with our kids. And um, impactful 
they have a program called angst a film on resiliency and anxiety being able to directly work with students and also offer the film to students in middle school and high school these two films at um at trusted space and angst are both mental health development programs uh, for you to access for free and the last um, one in this partnership with Cal Hope Schools Initiative is Stories of Hope by um, Z Cares. And this is real life in the trenches students talking about their overcoming obstacles and hurdles that were very challenging and that there's always hope on the other side and there's always a way through. Things can be hard, life can be hard, but moving through them is possible when we do it as a community. Carol. Were you just waving? Oh, no, I was just scratching my chin. Oh, I thought you were saying, hey, me. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you all. um, And thank you, Cal Hope Schools uh, Initiative, for this opportunity. We look forward to seeing you next month at um, our educator series and in between at our parent series. And stay tuned on these websites so you know what else is coming in free service and support to you and the youth you serve. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. Thanks.